This is Mackenzie Milton. This is Steve Levy from ESPN. And you're listening to One Night Stand. And you're listening to One Night Stand. One Night Stand. Hey, c'est condition ça qui t'est passé. Just One Night Stand. Avant toute bagaille t'est commencé. One Night Stand. Pensez que c'est ton This is One Night Stand. Presented by First Watch, the official breakfast and lunch sponsor of One Night Stand. What up, Night Nation? It's Bethune Cookman Week. Today's show's gonna be a doozy. We've got three huge storylines, each of which would be an entire episode worthy normally. But we gotta pack it all in on today's show. We've got the 21 point comeback, Boise State, the Thursday morning game, UCF to the Big 12. Crazy breaking conference news, and obviously the return of Mackenzie Milton seeing some action versus Notre Dame over in Tallahassee last night. As always, we've got Money Moose Picks, Moose Mailbag. Speaking of, I'm here with Money Moo UCF completed its biggest comeback in bounce house history after a three hour weather delay with our backs against the wall down 21 nothing. We found out that Gus Bus does not break for Broncos. He simply runs them over. Led by QB1, Dylan Gabriel, and running back Isaiah Bowser, the Knights beat Boise 36-31. What a game. What a way to kick off the Gus Malzahn era at UCF. Hopefully a decade plus of memories to be made. Let's just start off, you know, right off the top with the game. I mean... We come out, defense looks good, force them to, a, you know, to punt, get the ball back, drive down the field. A little bit different offense than we're used to seeing, um, you know, just kind of wearing, tearing, short, intermediate passes, running the ball a lot. We get down to the goal line. Dylan Gabriel, you know, if you go back and watch the replay of this, the pick six, it was, it was a really good play design. It was like a triple option he, he, he does a bootleg, and pretty much the cornerback is forced to choose between stepping up and getting DG or guarding his receiver. And as soon as he steps up, the receiver's wide open in the back of the end zone, but DG, instead of kind of like putting some touch, lofting it, he throws like a laser, and it obviously goes right to the guy. But the, the play was there. And then it was, you know, obviously a pick six, which that felt like the slowest 100-yard return I've ever seen. Uh... I don't know if it was because I was tired or what, but it seemed like it took like 20 seconds. But yeah, so all of a sudden we're down 7 nothing instead of being up 7-0. How are you feeling at, at that point? Because that was a 14-point swing and obviously kind of sucked the, sucked the wind out of the, the, the stadium and the team. Yeah, I was going to say it took a lot of energy out of the crowd. But as far as the drive, I thought it was a good drive, and we stopped in the first time, so really their offense hadn't done anything. And then they went on a pretty long drive and scored another touchdown, so it was 14 nothing. And that's when I started getting a little nervous. Of course, two Boise State fans sitting right next to us. <laughs> um, they were nice, by the way, but still, it's, it's tough, you know, when you want everyone else to be deflated around you yeah. <laughs> when, your team, when your team's not doing well. And then, uh, so the third touchdown that they scored to go up 21 nothing, Khalil Shakir... Uh, we just missed too many tackles. I mean that that looked like that looked like 2015 night tackling out there. That was horrible. Was not good. Um, so 
That was the beginning of the second quarter. Next thing you know, it's 21 nothing, And I'm like, all right, is this really what like I got hyped up all offseason for? Like, what is going on? But, you know, to the team's credit, to Coach Gus's credit and the rest of the staff, I mean, they kept cool and they stuck to their game plan. They ran the ball. You know, Bowser, 33 carries, I think. I remember in the car ride over, Buzas was like, yeah, I think uh, Bowser's going to get 30-plus carries. And I think you said back, like, this ain't the Kevin Smith era or something like that. And uh, I, I was with you on that. I was like, there's no way. And, you know, what happens? He pounded it with him. And, you know, they stuck to the game plan. Uh, obviously, the offense looks way different. A lot of motion, misdirection, all kinds of different looks. And we stuck to it and, you know, played cool. We grinded back. You can't make up 21 points instantly. You know what I'm saying? You got to take it one drive at a time. I, I remember when we were down 24 7. And we had a fourth and four, I think, from the 40-ish. I don't really remember exactly. but Closer to midfield. Midfield, yeah. I thought we should have went for it, you know, down 17. And we punted it. And, you know, to their credit, we stopped them and got the ball right back. And, you know, it was still early in the game. And me, as a fan, I was, like, pissed. But it's like, dude, it's only the second quarter. Like, if the defense is playing well and they played really well, uh, I think they made some adjustments after those first couple touchdown drives, and really, they didn't score again until the end of the game. I mean, there was probably like, I don't know, 30 minutes or so scoreless by Boise State, but we knew we could stop so, them. There was no rush. We didn't want to give them the ball back and, you know, close to our territory, punted it back to them, and then got the ball back. And, you know, we stuck to our game plan, and it worked. It was uh, So after the Boise field goal, making it 24-7, to their next 16 offensive plays went for a combined negative 32 yards. <laughs> So what do you think happened in that time from their first three drives to their next four? We made some kind of adjustment, and I haven't had a chance to watch the entire game, but I don't know what we did. We did something, and whatever it did worked, obviously, because they couldn't move the ball after that. I mean, you know, the first two drives, it looked like we couldn't stop them, and then next thing you know, it was like, they can't do anything. And that at that point, I, I really started to not be worried because I'm like, you know what? We're just going to keep getting the ball back. We've got plenty of time. The, the clock was never an issue. You know what I'm saying? It was just the points. So we slowly but surely just battled back. I, did you notice anything different on defense? No, I just know that after that field goal, they started to get angry. You know, that line, Ricky Barber, KD, Big Cat, they're a problem. You can't double team every guy. But all three of those guys are worthy of a double team. And I know if you're just a box score watcher and you go, oh, we, you know, we didn't get any sacks. We had Hank Bachmeyer scrambling and a ton of tackles for a loss, too. Like I said, a 16 plays, negative 32 yards. They really didn't do. They really didn't do anything. After, you know, 24-7. They did it. And, and it was some sort of adjustment where they were getting more pressure. I didn't notice them changing coverages. I don't know. It, it's a question for sports. Yeah, I'm not a coverage guy. Like I watch the ball. I, I just look at what – I watch the ball. I look at what happened. Ball was not moving. That The adjustment I noticed was that we were not letting them gain a lot of yards. So whatever, right. whatever we so did – you know, the defense stepped up. Um, I thought the offense, you know, the, the offense looked good. It's obviously going to be a little different 
when you have a new a new coach, uh, a new system, you're on your basically third string running back. You lost your top two, you know, your top receiver, your third best receiver. So you got to hand it to Dylan Gabriel with some new weapons. Had a couple of bad balls, threw some picks, but overall, you know, just your run of the mill four touchdown, three hundred <laughs> yard game. Yeah, he, um, he got it done. He got it done. You know, su- that's all we need. We- super impressed. Uh, super impressed, but not surprised by running back Isaiah Bowser. As you know from last week, I picked him as my offensive player of the year to really break through this year, and he shined. And I think he's become quickly a fan favorite. You know, he's got a cool last name. He's like the little dinosaur Mario guy, guy or whatever, whatever from yeah. Mario. <laughs> and uh, he doesn't quit. You know, everybody likes a tough running back. Dude's it, tough, Everything man. that I said word for word about him last week, it came true this week. You know, he always falls forward. He yep. never killed you with his speed. I think he had like a 25 or 30-yard nice run. Um, great vision. But Gus is going to keep pounding the rock. And yeah, I... I hope it lasts. I don't know if if you you can't give this guy thirty some carries every game. I don't know. But, I mean, um, look, we did it with Kevin Smith, and this guy I feel like's bigger than Kevin Smith. But yeah, I agree. I hope we don't have to do that. But it's also nice to know that we can, because he was you know an integral part to that win. So there was also some names that we haven't really talked about a lot making a pretty big impact. One of them was the first watch, first touchdown score of the game, Alec Holler. Good to see him so, out there. Not a name you really hear that much. Kind of second string or second tight end. Had a great catch and kind of bowled this one dude over, which was awesome. Unfortunately, not a single person picked him in the first watch, first score touchdown challenge. So <laughs> we'll look to uh, give away a $25 gift card next week. Um, but my other guy that did a lot for us that we didn't really talk about much is the wide receiver Titus. Mokayo Atamalala, uh, he was in the game a ton, especially surprising on punt returns. As a true freshman, really tough job. So it just goes to show you that, you know, the trust that Gus has in him. Plus, he had a nice touchdown grab, which is always cool. Dude, true freshman, your first ever game, and you catch a touchdown from DG. Is... Yeah, that's awesome. Did someone get hurt for him to play? Um I don't know, because he wasn't the original punt returner. It was Amari Johnson, and then then he came in. But regardless, uh, definitely cool to see him out there. The Hawaii connection lives on, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So, yeah, I mean, it's incredible. Ties the school record for biggest comeback, 21 points. Obviously, the last time we did that was Louisville in 2013 on a Friday night, who we happened to play two Fridays from now at Louisville as well. That'll be fun. I'll be there. Go if you can. Yeah, just just an insane night. Uh, you know, the game didn't end until after 1 a.m., which was crazy. The lightning thing was nuts. I, I don't really get that. I, I saw some people mad about it. It's like, it's not UCF's call. Like, these are, these are rules. You got to follow the rules. You know, if the rule's 45 minutes after the last lightning, then that's what you got to do. I I don't get why anyone's mad about it, but I guess people get mad about everything. So, uh, yeah, I was kind of thinking about how Susan was going to react. Um, 
especially too after we won you know it was about 115 <laughs> 130 and the fireworks are popping off and the crowd was loud all game too the limited believe. crowd was loud watch the you know if you watch the highlights you can hear them especially at the end man we made couldn't some noise it. couldn't believe it the stadium was still half full on a freaking weeknight at 130 in the morning <laughs> unbelievable it just shows the passion uh, and dedication from this fan base and uh you know, I, I don't know if we've got a stadium half full at that time last season. Uh, well, that was dumb. We couldn't get that many because of COVID. But you know what I mean. You know, the fan support's awesome. Uh, the resilience from this team and everyone. It's just a great way to uh, to, to start off. The, the return of the cardiac nights, uh, some, some have been saying. So, definitely awesome. Yeah, Susan was probably mad. I actually saw someone posted on Nextdoor. I'm not even kidding. You know, that like app for yeah. people to complain about neighbors and stuff. There there was a post. Uh, I don't remember what it said, but it was like, this is ridiculous. Like, dude, relax. It's one Thursday night game out of the year, and it was a lightning delay. Like, boo-hoo. Anything else from the game? Uh, No, from tailgate? this game. Tailgate? Tailgate was good. Tailgate was good? It was, it was fun to get back out there. Haven't done it in a long time. Softball, um, softball lot was fun. Softball lot was fun. There was a great turnout, especially for a weekday game. Everyone had a blast. Yeah, can't complain. The lightning thing was obviously kind of crazy. Every like all my plans are based off going into the game around six thirty, and all of a sudden we had an extra three hours to kill, which stunk. But it's like you know whatever, make the best of it. Definitely brought uh, filtered out, I guess, some fair fair weather fans for lack of a better term, and. uh you know, the, the OGs, the loud ones made it in and uh, they were loud. It, it was an awesome atmosphere. So moving on this week, Bethune Cookman, little tune-up game. Definitely will be, uh, you know, a good opportunity for some younger guys to, to get some playing time. Uh, I don't really know anything else. Uh, obviously, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because we know what happened with Furman, but obviously this is a much different team and coaching staff, you know. Yeah, Bethune coming off – a loss last week to UTEP, 38-28. UTEP, probably a bottom five uh, D1 team, but still scored 28 points um, against a D1 team is nothing to, you know, frown upon. Is it's no, uh, it's legit. Uh, they're still going to give it, give us a run, and we need to, we need to show up, come out of the game uninjured. Uh, I'd like to see some of the younger guys really get a lot of playing time. Maybe a little Mikey Keene second-half action. Yeah. I'd like to see a shutout possibly, too. I can't remember the last time that happened. Two years ago. Okay. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, you know we always have the, like, once every few years, 38 nothing South Carolina State. Yeah, that's right. That's oh, no, right. it was two years ago, FAMU, 62 to nothing. Okay. Well, there you go. Something like that. I need I need one of those. Yeah, that would definitely be nice. Uh yeah, it's a night game too, which is refreshing. That's I guess one good thing about ESPN Plus is you know, instead of having to be on TV, which obviously they just force us into like a noon slot, it gets to be a night game. So, you know, gives people an opportunity to go to it and, you know, not be super hot cuz it's the middle of summer in Orlando and night games are more fun. So, buy an RV. That's my opinion. <laughs> All right. Any weather delay, you're set. There you go. Buy an RV. Um, okay. Major, major, major news. Probably the biggest news 
maybe in UCF history, at least recent history. I don't know. People are saying that, though. Um, UCF is expected to get a formal invitation to the Big 12 this week. I've heard there is going to be some kind of announcement. Wednesday, I got a email about a shareholder Zoom call on Wednesday. I don't know if the two are related, but it's pretty much everything but official. Um, multiple major news outlets, I think like Sports Illustrated, The Athletic, and one other one are reporting that it's pretty much a done deal. The voting and you know the formal applications and all that stuff are more of a formality, but it sounds like it's happening. So this is insane. The fact that it's kind of like buried among some other UCF news is crazy. It's it's monumental. I mean, this is it. We made it. Like we've been. This is something we've wanted for a long time. We had it for a couple months with the Big East thing. Obviously, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because you know there will be more conference realignment. But I know that this time we're ahead of it. We we weren't the we're not the last person joining the falling apart conference. Well, I guess we're the first one now. But you know, if there's more realignment, which could happen, we're still gonna be a hot commodity for whatever happens. So I feel solid. You know, we're not chasing like we were last time. What were your initial thoughts on this news? I just couldn't believe it. I mean, how many years have we said, you know, the, we, oh, we need to join a power, power five or, or any, even opposing fans say, oh, well, they're, they don't take us serious because we're not a power five. Well, whatever, you know, and we tried the the whole power six thing, you know, for the American, and I still, I still do believe in it. Oh, but we're, we're like the fifth best conference, but it doesn't matter. It comes down to the TV a money. A much better outcome is the one that is presented in front of us. The Big Twelve Conference adding us, um, and you know Cincinnati. It, Luke Fickle, I don't think is going anywhere, dude. Unless, Cincinnati's going to be unless Ryan good. Day goes from Ohio State to the NFL. No, I, I think that's the only job. I could see him taking, uh, but well, the problem you never is know. now is that these like upper tier, like super upper tier colleges, like your Ohio State, Bama, and the and the like, the the difference between the NFL pay and their pay is really not that much. No, it's you know I get it from UCF to the Dolphins maybe, but it, it's not. It's not. It's just it's different though. It's you know you don't have to deal with recruiting parents all that stuff. It's more of a business thing, which is good and bad, but. You know, a lot of coaches have tried it. Nick Saban did, and that didn't last long. I, he actually had a decent season with the Dolphins, but Urban Meyer's doing it now. Not sure how that's going to work out, but no, I agree. I just think, yeah, I just think it's better all around. Um, there, there's not, if any, drawbacks. I, th- I think this vision that Terry has put together for the stadium, the expansion, the launch club, the oh, Lazy dude, River, the, the, the all that. The stadium that was maybe stuff. in like a 10 to 15 year vision. I think being in the Big 12 cuts that, like, down to five. Like, less than five years, like, all of this is going to happen. Yeah, no, that just, like, jump booster started it, like, accelerated it to the max. Like, as fast as we can get all that stuff done, it's going to happen because we're going to have to expand the stadium, you know? Cause yeah. Because there's going to be, we, you know, there's going to be a huge demand for uh, opposing. So especially, man, if you look at the teams in the Big 12, there's not really destination away games. They're all cool college towns, but they're not exciting. And it's like, we can go through the teams, but it's like, I'm sure if you've done, you know, every school once, you're not like dying to go back 
Orlando is going to be a huge away game destination. We won't only be like the marquee away game matchup football-wise, but we're going to be by far the best away game trip experience-wise. So it's it's huge on so many levels. Obviously, you know, the money, we're going to go. I don't think we're making six now. I think that's the back end is we're going to make six from the American deal. But I've heard it's supposed to like triple and a half. So we'll be close to 20. Obviously, they make like 45 or something now, but that's going to change with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Either way, huge boost in revenue. You know, it's going to help with recruiting and then obviously a much easier path to the playoff, which brings me to this. Do we still want an expanded playoff now? (laughs) I think it was going to happen regardless. So this still makes it easier to get in just because of you know people the, there's more eyes on the big 12 than there are on the American. we didn't want it to I mean, be easy to period. get in though it's just we never had a chance before but i agree it's just it's funny because i think about it i'm like now eh, four teams not so bad really we just gotta you know run the table and at least we know we have a chance but it's just weird being on the other side of this argument i, I can definitely understand why people were against expansion i guess but no i mean it, this is the way it's always been moving toward was, you know, once you have a playoff, it's ha- it's got to be an inclusive playoff. And the four-team thing, four team thing was good, but it's obviously not the best it can be. And, uh, yeah, you know, they're going to move to 12 and the bowl games will go away. One other cool thing, though, too, is that now we have uh, way cooler bowl game opportunities. Even if we don't make the MY6 bowl, which I think – we can make two now, actually. Like we don't have to win the conference. I don't know. So much stuff is happening. I don't even know what specifically to be excited about. Just everything. I think we can like go to the Cotton Bowl every year. That's pretty cool. Um, so the plan for this all to go down is maybe starting in the fall of 2023, which sounds like it's forever from now, but it's less than two years. I just think overall, it's just such a positive thing for the school. What do you think it means for some other sports? Because we've only talked about football. We're like We haven't even talked about basketball, where actually the Big 12 is probably top two-ish, top three conference in the country. Yeah, I mean, they got, what, Kansas, always good. Uh, Baylor. Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, national champ, Baylor. Uh, Texas Tech. Yeah, wow. I, you know, I didn't even think about it for other sports. So here's the thing. The American is a pretty good basketball conference, though, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't know if that'll help or hurt us. Like, we might be – we're probably going to go down, but maybe it'll help for recruiting and it's still two years away. I don't know. It'll be cool, though. You know, looking at this list of schools, these are going to be some fun trips. Uh, Waco, Iowa State. No idea how to even get there. Are there any <laughs> flights even into Iowa? Yeah, Des Moines. Kansas. So but I looked up Ames, Iowa is just north of Des Moines. Okay. Don't know where that I is. I think either. the most I think the most uh the coolest college town is probably gonna be West Virginia. Morgantown, heard a lot about it. Oh yeah. Uh, the football stadium looks cool. You got the mountains in the back. Uh the fans are crazy. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, all these are really cool college towns. Um, going to a, a basketball game at Kansas is definitely going to be on my to-do list. I've heard that is insane. Like they, 
They're like the Nebraska in terms of sellouts. Their games are always sold out, um, but they're actually always good too. I've just heard it's an insane atmosphere uh, for Kansas basketball. But yeah, I mean, these, these are going to be a bunch of awesome trips. That being said, our time to get in away trips with American conference teams is pretty much, you know, this next two years. We've got, you know, if you want to play, if you want to go to a UCF at Navy game, this year might be your only chance. I mean, now there's a good chance we could schedule because we do have, you know, kind of relationships with these programs. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually end up scheduling some home and homes with former uh, conference teams, you know. Memphis would be a good added game. You know, we've got some. I, I would take, so now it's like we're on the other side. <laughs> I know, right? One for, do we take one for ones with Memphis? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I don't want to be greedy. Uh, someone brought up that we should do two for ones with USF, which is hilarious, but that actually, and I guess this is a meanwhile to the West, um, brings up a good point, though, is do we want to keep the rivalry game? Because if you guys remember, they ended it. I think it was after 08 or 09. Uh, you know, we were in different conferences. Obviously, the gap between our programs was significant at that time. We hadn't beat them. They were 4-0, and they stopped scheduling us. And I've seen people want to do the same thing back to them. So I know how I feel about that, but I want to know, what is your opinion on the rivalry game? Should we continue it? Should it always be a home-and-home, home, or what are your thoughts? I think we should continue it. Um, we're already a rival with them it's just from how we've come up and i think that if you know every year we still play them it could just recertify like how much better we are even though we started in the same spot look i mean you just play the you play the team that's that's close to you you know there's other in-state rivalries that you know every year tennessee plays vanderbilt yeah, you know Clemson. The yearly when was the last time Vanderbilt beat Tennessee. I don't know the yearly the yearly annihilation of South Carolina by Clemson. No, I agree. Look, I've seen these takes, and I don't want to hear them at all about not wanting to play USF. I don't care if that's what they did to us. One, I will never stoop to someone else's level. If they're being shitty, that doesn't mean you have to too. But two, they're our rival. And we should always play them for the rest of the time. And like you said, at worst. It'll just be, you know, a blowout game. There's no reason to to do anything, I guess, retaliatory or ask for a two-for-one, which would mess up the whole home-away pattern. No. They're a rival, and that'll just be, you know, an out-of-conference cupcake game that we get as a tune-up before bowl week. Honestly, if you think of it that way, it's kind of good, you know. Tune-up before, or sorry, not bowl game, uh, conference championship week. So if you look at it that way, it's good. And, uh, you know, who knows? The, the rivalry, it's going to go up and down. I, I, they're going to beat us at some point in the next 100 years, right? I'm sure. I mean, probably. Yeah, exactly. So at some point, we should keep having this game. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I hope it's not anytime soon, but there's no need to not, to not play them. That was a uh, classless move by them, just like keeping us out of or trying to keep us out of the Big East, which, as Brett McMurphy reminded everyone this week, led to the detriment because that league couldn't solidify their members. I think Boise was a part of it for a second, and they ended up crumbling, and the leftovers are now the American. Here we are. So 
Never stoop to wonder, someone else's level. Do you ever wonder that if they would have been nicer to let us into the Big East, that they actually would have been better so like they'd be in the Big 12 with us? Or no? I mean, there's too many ifs. No, no I, I get what you're asking. That's a tough question to answer, but I think the best way to say it would be this. If USF was still as good as they were in like 1617 where we were more equal would they be going with us and i think the answer is 100% yes i think even if they were half as good as they used to be but they're such a joke right now they really messed it up man charlie strong set that program back yeah but they decades. had i mean the last thing they've done was kick to mike hughes that's it <laughs> nothing after that what's crazy too nothing. is Say they win that game, which, you know, even though it was a close game, I never thought for a second they were going to win. But if they win that game, we're not having this conversation right now, probably. No. Like, <laughs> no Peach Bowl, no any. It, it, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Who knows, man? Who knows? It's uh, it's it's weird to think about. But, yeah, uh, Big 12 is going to be awesome. We're probably going to talk about this every episode for – the next two years until we're actually in the conference. So we don't have to – no, it's true. I mean, Have a fab five of the away game trips yes. every week. I could, well, you know, the cool thing, I don't know anything about these cities, so this will be fun. Um, also, weird thing, Iowa is not where I thought it was. It's like way up there next to Illinois. For some reason, yeah. I thought it was like, I don't know, kind of by Texas. That whole area is very – Definitely not. What, the Midwest? It's just confusing. Well, I guess anywhere that's not Florida is confusing to me. But yeah, it's just, I don't know. And I, I, I did like a deep dive into the history of the Big 12, which was actually only founded in 96, interestingly enough. And uh, if you go back through all the history of all the conferences and stuff, it pretty much boils down to the same exact thing. It came down to TV money every single time. So here we are. You know, like I always say, follow the money. This isn't going to be the last one, but at least we're in a beneficial spot this time for once. And moving forward with any other shakeups, I know that we're going to be a commodity. So I finally feel good about it. Our athletics program the last five years has done an incredible job setting us up for this. And, you know, future's never been brighter uh, as a fan. All right, um, since we're talking about I guess the rest of college football. We want to hit any other games, thoughts from this week. There's a bunch of upsets. Um, obviously, the Clemson-Georgia game was ridiculously boring. That was an upset. I don't know if it was Georgia's defense or Ugalele is just not a good quarterback, but Clemson's got fraud written all over them. Yeah, some of the top 25 teams lost. UNC was not what we thought they were. Yeah, Sam Howell. Uh, losing to Virginia Tech. LSU lost to UCLA. Washington losing to Montana. That was pretty <laughs> bad. Um, so, yeah, the, again, said it a thousand times. Preseason rankings mean absolutely nothing. They shouldn't even rank people until the, after the week three. But what? I guess these are all upsets. So my, I don't know. My thing, too, is that, look, I mean, there's going to be rankings. Like, you can't get rid of them. Even if they didn't do that poll, there would be a different one. But if you lose week one, you should not be in the top 25. Like, the top 25 should all be 1-0 teams. I don't care if 
you're Clemson, and you're like, oh, I lost to number five team. I don't care. That doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. There are 25 teams. Well, there's probably like 60 teams that are 1-0. Pick the best 25 out of those. Each week, keep doing that. And then, you know, when there's not 25 undefeated teams, go back and look at the losses and start comparing. But eh, what do I know? Either way, uh, what do you think we'll be ranked? We were 40 in the AP. We had five, six or five votes, depending on when you looked. I think we'll probably re-rank in the 27 to 31 range. Interestingly precise. So you're saying like not 26. Correct. But right after it. And also not 30, but 31. I'm with you there. I'm with you there. I think we're just on the fringe of others receiving votes, which will be great because obviously we've just got a tune-up game this week. But that'll mean – I mean, honestly, as long as we're like 30th, that means we'll be ranked the next week, I'm pretty sure, because there will be five teams ahead of us that lose and drop behind us, minimum. Just Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the spread was anywhere between four to six for UCF against Boise. We beat them by five, so if you ask me, we, you know, we did what we were supposed to. Yeah. Nothing more, nothing less. Do we move up a huge chunk of the ranks? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying it's safe to assume that the people ahead of us are going to move back, not us moving up, but I I agree with you there. All right. One obviously pretty significant game was Florida State taking on number eight, Notre Dame, at home last night in Tallahassee. I was there providing coverage for, I don't know, myself. And the pod. And the pod. All right, so let's just break down the day. Okay. So I I had a pretty good understanding that McKenzie was not going to be starting. I knew that. But, you know, there's all kinds of rumors and stuff. I I don't really know what was true, what was not. But either way, he didn't start. On the ride to the tailgate, though, I did say to uh, Britt's mom, Jam, because we were talking about him not starting and, you know, ways he could get in. I'm like, I mean, really, the only way is an injury. And I'm not going to ever root for someone to get injured. So I said... I'm going to root for an equipment malfunction. Maybe his cleat will, like, explode. You know, it's happened. And what do you know? Fourth quarter, I see a helmet rolling around, and it's the quarterbacks. And just, I'm like, there's no there's no way. But I knew it was going to happen. And there he comes, trotting on the field. And, you know, normally in football, when a quarterback, whether they get hurt or they got to come out for a play, I mean, it's always almost always just run the ball. Am I right? First play, at least, with the backup quarterback is almost always a run. But yeah, especially, you know, just came out for an injury, you know, second string guy trots on, and, oh, here we go. Yeah, what's he going to do? I, Dude, I would have bet anything that they were going to run the ball the first play. And, dude, it's a pass. And it's a nice pass. Get a little 22-yard quick-release touch pass, uh, you know, completion, and – Dude, so I was in the, I was in the front row and there's like, it's kind of like brick. It's not very high, and I jumped up on it and was like doing a fist pump. And this cop who was eyeing me the whole game with a paintball gun in his hand like turned the paintball gun at me. And I'm like, oh, I guess I'm getting down now. But uh, it it was definitely I mean absolutely exhilarating. It was just incredible to see him out there. You know, obviously we've gone over the story a million times, but to see him out there playing meaningful football and competing at a high level, competing like he never missed a day. Like he didn't skip a beat. 
He was the same McKenzie that we've always known. And comes in down 10, leads him down to a touchdown, bunch of nice throws. Completed his first five passes, actually. Then on the next drive, you know, they get the ball back down three, drives him down third and seven. Very bad snap to almost, if he fell on it, it almost would have put him out of field goal range. But he alertly scoops up the ball and manages to throw it out of bounds. And he was in the pocket too, so he made sure it wasn't too far away from a close wide receiver. That would have been like fourth and 20 out of field goal range for the tying, you know, the game tying kick if he had just fallen on it. But he had the awareness to make an amazing play. Maybe one of his best plays of the game was that incompletion. And he ended up, uh, I think he ended up like seven for nine. He had two incompletions, so that was one of them. But it was just magic. The atmosphere in there, it, it was just incredible. And even though they didn't win the game, honestly, it didn't. It felt like it almost didn't matter because, you know, the next chapter of his career has started. And I, I don't know. Norvell's an idiot. I don't know how they didn't pull Travis after three picks. They were losing the whole game. It's like, what do you have to lose? He was not playing well. I, I don't understand that, which makes me question the starting thing because, you know, obviously he was 100%, but whatever. Uh, he's got to be named the starter this week. Um, they have to. He has to let him start the rest of the year. Look, Jordan Travis is a sophomore. He'll be there next year. There's no other Dude. freshman quarterback, or they're not going to get anyone better. Look, Travis... He's an amazing athlete, okay? Great athlete. He's a great, great runner. Every once in a while, he has an amazing throw. Like, the last touchdown he threw was an absolute laser, uh, like 60, 70-something yards. But the offense was just different. They couldn't base it around, like, it, when you're, you're only, like, a, a single threat, obviously, then they can just load up on the run. It, it was just night and day difference from when McKenzie got in, but, like, this is crazy we even have to say this. Mike Norvell, he, he doesn't understand. He's been there before with McKenzie. He's blown <laughs> three, count him, three double-digit leads to this man. Yeah. You would think if you have him on your side this time, down double digits, <laughs> that he's the comeback kid. You would think, but clearly now Mike Norvell moves to 0-5 in Sean Barrett-attended games that he's coached. So, yeah, I mean, he's got to be the starter. Look. The dude's not, he's not some average Joe. I, I think maybe the only concern was he's not 100% coming back from the injury, but I don't know that. But anyone who saw him practice probably could tell that he was 100%. So it makes no sense that he didn't, that the only way he got into the game was because of a freak helmet thing. But it's not like he's some schmuck. He's a two time Heisman finalist. A two time Heisman finalist. Like we've seen what he did. So, I, you, look, I don't know. Really no reason to complain about it anymore because he got in. I, the job's got to be his. And uh, just absolutely. I mean, what a – and it's not over yet. I, I keep wanting to say, like, what an amazing ending to this story. This ain't the end. He's got a whole season ahead of him. And I can't wait to, to watch it all go down, you know. I mean, I'm looking at the schedule, the rest of the schedule here for FSU. They're, they were 3-6 and six last year. They had one winning season in the last five. I'm kind of looking at seven and five here for this team, which if I was an FSU fan, I'd be going off the rails to be seven and five, get back in a bowl game. Um, Easy Travis, seven and five. Dude, their conference is garbage. They're garbage. Look, they were, they're a good team, and Notre Dame is a decent team. I don't think they're top ten, 
but they're a good team. And Florida State is a good team, too. They're very underrated. I think they can easily make a run at this conference. And Oof, their defense, man. Who cares? you got Mackenzie <laughs> Milton. We had no defense no, in 2017. Their, de- their defense was really good. I mean, Notre Dame, they got a good offense. Jack Cohn, you know, Wisconsin transfer. They got that baby Gronk guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that guy you know, was their, their unguardable. Offense was, their offense was pretty good. But that Florida State defense, some of the hits – at some of the plays they were making last night, That's yeah, they gave I'm up saying, a bunch dude. of points, but it was a high-scoring game. That kind of reminded me of, like, the 90s FSU defense right? a little bit, especially, you know, the crowd. When was the last time that stadium was sold out? I, I mean, don't know, Jesus. but, dude, one thing, I've still got that stupid freaking war chant stuck in my head. Just... Like, it's just in the back of my head. I need to, like, put music on or... I need to put music on or something to distract. It's just constantly there, and I, I can't get rid of it. I was watching the replay, and it's even more annoying somehow on TV than it is in person. At least in person, it's like part of the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Not not a fan of that. But regardless, definitely excited to be a founding member of the FSU bandwagon, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be absolutely awesome. We have so much to look forward to this season with that, on top of all the UCF stuff. And, you know, I was talking about this on Twitter. Um, Is this the best weekend as a UCF fan ever? Like, name a better weekend. I guess the qualifier would be multiple really cool events. Can't. I mean, I know, like, the Peach Bowl was cool, and that was a fun weekend, but it was just the Peach Bowl. I mean, between the start of the Gus era... Us going to the Big 12 and Mackenzie Millen. I mean, especially the Big 12 and the Mackenzie stuff. I mean, the game the game is great, but the Big 12, this is like the biggest thing that ever happened to us athletic-wise. And then Mackenzie, it's just it's incredible. Uh, what a time to be. A f- I'm, you just got to pinch <laughs> myself, try and live in this moment, this week, enjoy all this because it's never going to get better. Probably will, Yeah, it's going to get better. Another natty. Uh, playoff, college football playoff championship. Playoffs? It's just, yeah, thinking about it, though, it's just weird because, like, I'm trying to picture us, but then it's like I got to picture us, but without Dylan, but I know there'll be another good quarterback. It, that's what makes college so fun, though. Just so many variables and, and so much, uh, so many things happen that you never see coming. Like Mackenzie Milton. Just abs- absolutely insane. All right. It's time for our favorite segment. I don't know if I can do this because I pretty much have no voice left over from the game still, but it's Money Moves Picks of the Week. Money Moves Picks of the Week. 1-0 last week as I improved to a crazy 7-0 all time when picking the Knights. Yes, I gave you UCF minus 4. And although I was quite sweaty in the first quarter, we squeaked it out. No line as of this recording for Bethune-Cookman, but my guess would be around minus 30. I would say do not bet on this game, but if you absolutely have to, always sprinkle some. Uh, I would definitely take the under, or sorry, the over, as I, as I said earlier in the pod, that they were able to score 28 points on UTEP. Even though UTEP is one of the worst teams in the, in the country, I feel like Gus is going to use this week as a tune-up and get a lot of his young guys in. So look for a high-scoring game. Probably my guess would be 
I don't know, 50 to 20 or something. 20? Think we give up 20? Eh, you know, second half, you know. Huh? Maybe not. I, I don't know. It's just a guess. Okay. So there's no spread on this game. I, I kind of looked. Not yet. This is one of those, like, added games that'll yeah. be, like, later in the week if it does come. But I'm telling you, don't waste your money. If you want to sprinkle some just for whatever, that's fine. But don't bet on it. All right. So this week, so two I'm picks definitely for Definitely betting you. on it. <laughs> this week, two picks for you. And it's all about the Mac. Yes, the Maction, the Mid-Atlantic Conference. Our first pick, we're taking Northern Illinois plus seven against Wyoming. This is a 1.30 p.m. kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. The game is in DeKalb, Illinois, the mecca of college sports as we know it. Northern Illinois last year, 0-6 on the year, but who's counting? Just beat Georgia Tech. Yes, the same Georgia Tech that the Knights beat on the road last year in their home, in their in Georgia Tech's home opener. Now, last week also, Wyoming was a 19-point home favorite, and they needed a last-second drive to beat Big Bad Montana State. So talk about two teams going in different directions here. <laughs> this line should be closer to even, or maybe even Northern Illinois minus one. So a full touchdown value. We're taking the Northern Illinois Huskies plus seven. All right. NIU. You got anything else this week? Yeah, we got a second pick also from the Mac. We're going to go with a team that has a little bit of ties to our old athletic director, Danny White. We're going to take Buffalo, the Bulls, plus 13 and a half at Nebraska. This is a 3.30 p.m. kickoff on the Big Ten Network. Look, the fighting Scott Frost are bad. They're really bad this year, and I don't see it getting any better. Both of these teams are coming off huge blowout wins, though, against FCS opponents. Now, sneaky good Buffalo last year, averaging 41 points a game. Flying under the radar, they were 6-1 and one and Camellia Bowl champs. Too many points to lay with a bad Husker team, so I'm going to take the Buffalo Bulls, plus 13 and a half. The line that I have is should be only plus five and a half for Buffalo. So again, another full touchdown worth of value. Again, that's Buffalo, plus 13 and a half. All right. So let's recap the picks real quick. We're taking both dogs in the MAC. Northern Illinois, plus seven. And Buffalo plus 13 and a half. Let's, Let's get, get that, that money. All right. Last up, we've got Moose Mailbag, where we answer all of your questions. Thank you guys, as always, for not only listening, which, by the way, please subscribe, rate, and review, but sending us your questions. We enjoy answering them. All right. First up, what do we got, Moo? All right, first question is from Dan Cundiff. Do you think the Big 12 stops with just four, or do they bring in more at a later date? And how the heck did you get on the field asking for a friend? Um, I think he's talking about FSU. I was just sitting close to the field, so it may have appeared that way. Um, By the way, shout, shout out Dan. He goes to my CrossFit gym. Dude kills it every morning, 6 a.m., absolute animal. So, yeah, very cool. Um, All right. 
You know, I heard something. I heard an interview with either it was one of the ads in the Big Twelve, and he talked about a two-phase plan. And didn't didn't elaborate, but I don't think so because the super conference thing is definitely like going to happen. I don't know if there's anyone else I'd want to add. Actually, I'm pretty surprised they took Memphis over Houston. I don't really know what Houston adds other than a bigger TV market, but they said football was like, you know, 80% of the factor. Uh, I'm just surprised. I don't really understand the BYU thing, but everyone smarter than me says that that was like a slam dunk, so I'll trust them. I I don't know. Uh, But to answer your question, no. I don't think they they stop at just four. Um, What what are your thoughts? No, I think you're right, too. Um, It could be a couple more years, but I think those same teams that were kind of in the mix, that that Memphis, you know, Boise State, Colorado State, something like that, um, I think they're definitely going to be in in consideration for the next go-round. All right. Next question from MD Knight. From N- MD Night 2016, over under all conference, uh, all AAC, so all conference defenders from this UCF defense. He said over under two and a half. Oh, I'm going to go over for sure. So you got to think that if they play the way they did last night or this past week, uh, Big Cat Bryant and Ricky Barber are going to be there. Kalia Davis, another one. And then. You know, depending on who steps up at linebacker, maybe Eric Gilliard, Quadric Bullard, Tatum Bethune, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste. I was going to say um, Jeremiah Jean Baptiste would be my guess, but it, who knows? It's wide I, I open. Think the Ricky bigger, Barber. I think three, yeah, I think three is going to be there. The harder one would be four. Um, but you know, Cincinnati has a has a crazy good defense. I think it's going to be like their entire secondary. Uh, good. <laughs> then our, our front seven, their secondary. Yeah. Yeah, that well, that'd be one. That's pretty much an all NFL de- right? defense right there. So yeah, I, I would say for sure three. Yeah, I agree with you. Definitely going to take the over on that. Um, all right, what do you got next? Next question comes from Alex Bitter. What's going to be the best away game to go to in the Big Twelve minus Oklahoma and Texas? Let's uh, let's do a Fab Five. <laughs> um, well, we kind of already talked about this earlier. Obviously, you said. West Virginia, I said, you know, Kansas for basketball, but I'm assuming because we're mostly a football podcast, this is a football question. I think they're all going to be good. Texas Tech, I think, is going to be fun. Lubbock. Waco is going to be cool for Baylor. I don't know. It's a tough one, but it's nice that we have we can have these conversations now because I don't know how many times we've talked about, like, Philly, Dallas, what DC. <laughs> Liberty Bell, Big Ben. Yes, I uh, I saw the Liberty Bell when I was in London. Actually, we were just talking about that on Twitter because, right. someone no someone someone asked. They said, "Should I go to the Jags game in London this year or the Cincinnati game?" And I was like, "Well, I mean, considering London is pretty much the Ohio of Europe, you know, crappy weather, bad sports teams, uh, very dirty. You should probably go to the Cincinnati game because there will always be NFL games in London, but there will only be one." 2021 UCF at Cincy game with conference implications and possibly NY6. What were we talking about? 
What was the best away game to go to in the Big 12? All right, we <laughs> Next question. Next question is from Todd Thrasher. Would we still have the win streak if KZ never got hurt? All the way from 2017 till now? Uh, probably not. He probably would have went to the NFL last year. Um, well, you only had one more yeah, year, right? It's uh, Yeah, 2019. Okay, yeah, 2019. So technically, no. That's so many what but yeah, ifs. could we have could we have beat LSU a thousand percent? Yeah, thousand. The 2019 campaign, could we have ran through that? Sure, all the games that we lost were winnable. So it's crazy, it, yeah, though. You know, it's a lot of what ifs, but if that happens, though, you wonder if Dylan ever even gets a chance behind Mac. You know what I'm saying? Because Dylan only got a chance because of the whole like Wimbush Mac injury. I, there's, it's a, lot, it's a weird weird hole to go down mentally. But, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd assume at some point we would have lost. I, I don't know when. I can't remember the 2019 schedule. I, I don't know. I mean, 25 in a row is, is pretty special. So. Yeah. I, I, but, you know, then we're still probably stuck with Hypel. So, who mm, knows? Very true. <laughs> See, so many things. So many things. All right. This next question is from Bradley Daniels. How is Casey's leg doing after his first game back? Um, I didn't see any injury report or anything, and he seemed fine after the game, so I'm assuming he's okay. Yeah, I mean, dude, his leg's been 100% since he was cleared to to practice over a year ago with the scout team, or maybe it was close to a year ago. If it was anything less, he, he wouldn't be out there, so... It's been repaired, but it's no different than any other leg. I mean, I, I'm sure if you watched the game, you saw he he was, you know, cutting, took some hits, kind of took, you know, some awkward tackles and stuff. Nothing crazy where I was worried, but, I mean, he looks like he's 100%, you know? I, I don't think he has any lingering issues. I, I can't speak for him, but, uh, you know, I don't think he'd be out there if there were any. So, all right, next question. We've got a lot today. Thank you, guys. This question's from Brian Doss. What happens to the American Conference after UCF, Cincy, and Houston leave? Does it collapse like the Big East, or will they try and add G5 teams from other conferences? Uh, this is a toss-up for me because it's weird. The AAC was always on the cusp of being, you know, it was always the best, you know, group of five conference, but it just wasn't a power five conference. So do they dissolve and take... You know, maybe Memphis and a, you know, one or two other teams to bigger leagues, and then you know maybe Conference USA grows. I honestly, to me, like Tulsa and Temple should have never have been in this conference. That they're more like Conference USA teams. Like, I mean, so is Tulane too. Tulane also, even though Tulane's been Tulane's been great lately, but they're not a football school. We're a basketball school. It's and good that they've been large, good. They're not large schools, you know. They 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 just fit. They just fit better in in a conference USA like format. Yeah. I don't know. That it, that's my that's my opinion. Or or they they you know could. I don't think that if they added teams, they would ever be in that echelon of of Power Five without us. Without us and and Cincy, you know, yeah. the thing that sucks is that like. You cut the crap at the bottom of the conference and add in like, you know, three or four solid schools. Even without doing that, the American, 
was a power conference. Let's face it. We just we've proved that over the last few years. But if you add in some better teams, we're talking like top four. We'll never get to see that, but uh you know. Yeah, that's with us. That's what, no, that's what Cincy, I'm saying. Though. That's what I'm saying. They were like that it, it like just Houston's been off the last couple of years, but since he's always been pretty good. I mean, not really, dude. We blew him out in 2017. Remember that game that they actually quit cuz there was a yeah, rain delay in the third we quarter? That's because we were the best team in the country. They suck, though. We blew everyone out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like <laughs> 50 to 20 in the third quarter, and they quit. But anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, what, they're probably going to add some schools. But I'm telling you now, this is just the tip of the iceberg for this wave of realignment. We're going to see some crazy stuff. This is just the beginning. I guarantee you in five years – it's going to look nothing like what it does now. Like this Texas, Oklahoma, they, this was what happens. The TV deals expire. Everyone has to do what's best for them to get the most money. So it, it ain't over. That's all I'm going to say. I, I don't know what, but just look at the history of the Big 12. Like I said before, it was founded uh, upon the, I think the NCAA had some like thing where they were in charge of the TV stuff. And then the Supreme Court ruled against it. And that's where, like, the conference thing started happening. The old, I think it was called the Big Eight and then the Southwest Conference. Just look it up. It always has to do with money. This always happens, and it always will. So it's impossible to know now what's going to happen, but all I know is that stuff is going to happen. All right, Thank next question. Sean. Yes. I know. We're hashtag breaking. Something is going to happen. <laughs> Huge prediction. That's a money moo lock of the week. Five utter confidence bet. All right, next question is from Operator Gus. Are we going to become a powerhouse similar to Oklahoma joining the Big 12 because of the money and access to better recruits? Uh, did he, like, answer the question? Yes. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> first off, sir, uh, we already are a powerhouse. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and not just that. I mean, it, it's not because of those things. Those are just going to add to what we've already built, you know. We already are be, we're be, we're not a powerhouse maybe quite yet, but we're <laughs> we're becoming a power. Dude, we're not. I mean, <laughs> dude, we don't get five stars. I think that's like the best. Who can we don't need five? I know. I'm saying stars. though, it, we don't need them, but that's like what you do, or that's what I would consider a powerhouse. They just get five star recruits. We don't need them. I wouldn't be mad if we got them though. You know what I'm saying? We're we're, yeah. in the, we're in the, the wheels are spinning. The wheels in the Gus bus are in motion, is what Big I would Gus. say. Operator Gus, smooth operator Gus. No, good question though. I mean, you know, the recruiting, the money, it's all gonna combine. Next question. Next question from Alex Deloach. It doesn't look like South Florida has any non-conference schedule openings until 2028. Assuming we want to, what are the chances we can continue the series as we join the Big Twelve? So we kind of already talked about this. I mean, we have plenty of openings to schedule some people. I didn't think of it from that angle, though, because now we're a non-conference game. Do you think that any of the games that they have on their schedule get bought out, like some of the bigger teams, because of the realignment? I don't know. I I don't know. That stuff always confuses me. Do they buy out games because they don't want to play them because they're good? Or I, Dude, who knows? I don't know. But while we're on the subject of USF real quick, I just want to say, 
First off, they got embarrassed 45 nothing at NC State. NC State is not that great of a team. So Florida comes into town now, and I just saw the line is 29. Although Florida didn't look amazing against that, FAU. That backup quarterback looked good. Jones Yo, the back not... The backup quarterback is a thousand times better than the first guy. Yeah. It's kind of like the FSU game. Jones, if they start Emory Jones this week, you, you need to check Dan Mullen's head. Cause that dude, Same thing with Travis. That Anthony, whatever his name is, he's he's Cam Newton, like prime Cam Newton 2.0. That's, that's a great comparison. He looks like him. Big, physical, but also fast. He had like a 75-yard touchdown. Yeah, he looked awesome. A little run. Start that, man. The offense did nothing with Emory Jones. They put they put this guy in and he's lighting it up. 55-0. Now, we need to keep the zeros going for USF. Their <laughs> offense is whoa, pitiful. All right, next question. This one's from Matthew Smith. Do you think Gus is going to try to switch out the running backs each series or just continue to ride the hot hand at Bowser? Also, did he make it to Waffle House after the game? Great question. Uh, I don't know about Waffle House. I feel like we would have seen a picture, but it was like probably 3 a.m. So, Oh, at least. We didn't get home until 3. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see other guys get some touches, but, I mean, there's no, you know, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. How many times have we said that? So, I don't know. Bowser's, I mean, he's just a bruising physical runner, though, and he just got better with the game, you know? I don't know. You know, we saw um, Richardson was the only other back that had some carries, so we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll definitely, uh, you know, get to see a mix of guys this week, just being the FCS game, but uh, it's, it's a good question. It'll be fun Oof, to watch. You know, you were so right when you say that. He got better as the game went on. You know who else gets better when the game goes on? Uh... Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Bruiser, down. Same, all the same things that I said about Bowser is Derrick Henry. Now, he's not Derrick Henry. Let's, let's just put it out there. But Well, maybe it's you know, the defense getting tired. Well, yeah, the defense gets tired, but... <laughs> That's like a good chat joke. I mean, it could, it, could be, it could be that, too. It's a but, combination. You know. It's not ever one set thing. But he just kept pounding, and, you know... I mean, if I'm the defense, I'm kind of getting sick of tackling that guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not yeah. fun. No. Bowser. Player of the year. All right. This one's from Golden Knight 2. Rank the following for best things you witnessed this week. UCF win versus Boise. USF still a garbage fire. Big 12 invite and see Mackenzie Milton play again. That is a great question. All right. So I'm going to go with I will never put anything above UCF winning. So we're going to go with UCF winning first Boise. Then I think second, a, a 1A of sorts, is the Big 12 invite pending. Then seeing KZ play again, USF will always be a garbage fire. So th- that's my ranking of those. So you did the Boise win, then Big 12, then KZ, then USF? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Big 12, then McKenzie, then the Boise win. Then USF. USF always last. It was tough between the Big 12 and McKenzie for me. Obviously, you know, the Big 12 has long-term implications, but my heart says KZ. The Boise win, great, but if we don't win that game, 
not a huge deal long term. You know, seeing McKenzie play is a big deal long term, and obviously the Big Twelve. Uh, so that's kind of how how I rank those. Or no, why. are you kidding me? The NY six is over if we if we don't win that game. Yeah. So what, dude? We're still in the Big Twelve. Yeah, oh, but I wouldn't. No NY six. <laughs> oh no, that happened last year. That happened the year before, dude. Got to think. Did not happen last year. What do you mean? We did not make an NY six last year. Oh. Yeah, it's not well, the end of the world when it, it doesn't happen. like we were in a New Year's Six last year. No, you said if we lose the Boise game, we're not in an NY6. I'm like, that's fine. That's exactly what happened last year and the year before. Okay. Like, it sucks. Yeah, you know? I mean, it sucks at the time, but, like, long-term, the conference thing's way more important. And, uh, you know, so is McKenzie. So that's where I'm at. I mean, I look, I pretty much mentally accepted that we had lost that game for, like, 10 minutes. At the game. I'm like, <laughs> a whole 10 minutes. Well, no, I mean, I'm like, there's no way we're coming back. I, I was rooting for us, but let's be real. I mean, you're down 21 nothing in the first quarter. It ain't looking good. I'm like, yeah, we're fine, but I was kind of like, uh, I don't know, guys. I hope so. I mean, let's yeah, be real. That's a huge, dude. the same way. Yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone did. Uh, but, you know, we, we played cool, kept it calm and collected, and uh, stuck to the game plan, like we said. So... All right, last question from Ethan Cahill. Week one's always tough to get the scope of what were actually big wins and what teams weren't as legit as we thought. What things from the game do you think translate to the rest of the season? What were things do you think were just the result of week one jitters from both teams? So I think things that are going to continue, Jay Flash is going to average between like 120 and 150 every game, and people are just going to yawn. <laughs> I feel like we re re I mean, he had a couple of big couple of big catches, but, I mean, it was like six for 140 and a touchdown, and it was like nobody even said anything about him yeah. in the press conference. Well, you know, it's like he's you know, just supposed to do that, Yep, um, which is nuts. He's like the uh, Marlin of last year with less <laughs> less receptions but as many yards. I think the defense is going to stay dialed in. Um, I, I think that – the the only thing I think that's going to change a little bit is I think Dylan's gonna Dylan's gonna brush off a little of the rust. I think those those two picks he very rarely makes mistakes. Um, yep. And you know I I noticed too that you know between last year he had you only had like three or four picks. Year before it was three or four. So and I think he had like, have two he had like in one ten game. last year. But yeah. Did he? Yeah. Oh, think well, about it, it, think about it. It really wasn't that many. It didn't seem like okay, that many. Four. Oh, no, he only had four. Oh, did he now? Huh. When Moo was right. Yeah. Well, the COVID uh, shortened season. Not that I want him to have more. Oh, so projected he would have had 10 over <laughs> a long, long game I don't, season. I don't know where I saw that. Maybe that was rushing touchdowns or something. I remember seeing anyway, 10. I don't know. You know, another thing that uh, – I love seeing and I think we're really going to continue to see for the rest of the year is his rushing ability. Oh, yeah. So he was scrambling a lot more to where I feel like last year and especially the year before, he would kind of just, you know, go down and just accept a sack. Now, yeah, there was a lot of scrambling, juking. He was making plays. So I'm glad that Gus like took the, you know, took the leash off and just let him ride and. We're going to see some special stuff around this year. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, 
Things I think that are here to stay, D-line pressure, Bowser, I agree with J-Flash. Things that I think will improve, obviously Dylan, you know, he's still getting comfortable in a new system, having to make all these different reads and progressions. I think we'll we'll see some, maybe like a wide receiver two step up. We don't know who that's going to be yet. Um, and I think that the secondary is going to get better. Although I think, you know, I think overall they played pretty well, but, you know, didn't really see any, like, crazy plays, which is fine, you know. It's usually a good thing for defense, but I think they'll continue to improve. Anything else? Oh, no, just some kind of follow-up stuff. NFL starts this week. We got our fantasy draft coming up on Tuesday. Just wanted to wish everyone a, a good NFL season. Glad NFL's back. Wishing good luck to all of the UCF Knights in the NFL this year. Got to update that list. It's like 23 on like 16 teams or something like that. Got to catch up with some of the practice squad guys and see what's going on. A lot of a lot of roster moves. I saw Otis sign to the practice squad of the Rams. That's cool. Yeah, so a lot of good stuff happening. Um, so you in Tallahassee, anything interesting, fun, before, after the game? I hung out with Dylan Barnes actually. We uh, we met up at tailgate and uh, walked around for a little bit and then met up after the game and said what's up to McKenzie, too. Um, that was pretty cool. <laughs> That's cool. Former kicker Dylan Barnes. Yeah, talked about him kicking in uh, arena. Said the field goal thing's really small, and it's definitely weird, but it's cool to see oh, yeah. him. Uh, he's, the pre- he's the Predators kicker right yeah now, right? yeah and we talked about the crossfit too this is a crossfit guy so oh fun stuff yeah good stuff uh clearly he's in way better shape than me but no that, <laughs> that was fun um yo did you see the espn plus series our time yes so first episode premieres this thursday september 9th they're scheduled for 12 whole episodes uh it's kind of like, I don't know, like a Hard Knocks type thing, but for UCF, this is incredible. I can't believe – so, like, normally this would be, like, a headline thing on our show, and instead it's, like, a afterthought notes because so much cool stuff went on. This is huge. Not just for us as fans. Like, that doesn't really care – it doesn't really matter to make us happy, but the exposure is going to be awesome. And it's also just going to be really cool to see, like, everything going on behind the scenes. Definitely cool that Gus is doing that. You know, opening the doors to all this. I don't know if you saw it too. There was a 24-7 sports guy that wrote like a really long article. He followed the team all week, I think, leading up into the Boise game. That was the article where Dylan was quoted saying that the defense that Heupel predicted or something or game plan for last year was incorrect, 8 out of the 10 games, something like that. That was the article the quote came from. I only oh, what? Yeah. I only made it halfway through the article. I driving back from Tyler. I wasn't driving, but I got distracted by something and then forgot to finish it. Anyway, it was really cool that he let this reporter in, like all access behind the scenes, and like they got into like some really in depth stuff with game planning. And like apparently, one thing that they harped on, and we're like, oh, this is probably not going to happen. Like some kind of situational thing. It actually ended up happening, and we were super super prepared for it. Read the article, 24-7 sports. Um, but, yeah, the uh, the hard knock thing is going to be cool. 
Awesome. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, probably watch it after the Bucks Cowboys. Hey, Tristan Hill. Still not cleared <laughs> to play. I just talked to oh. him. He's come back from the ACL. Yeah, I know. It sucks. Yeah, I mean, that's usually a full year injury when it happened, like, middle of the year. Yeah, but I mean, like, Joe Burrow's back, and he, like, trained in preseason, but everyone's body's different, you know? It's not, like, a set thing, you know? I'm pretty sure for ACL surgery, they, like, snip a piece of your hamstring and, like, reattach your stuff together. Uh, That's a super scientific explanation. But obviously, you know, everyone's different, so uh, hope he gets back out there soon. And we also got in a little golf on our trip up to Orlando, played at... uh, Shingle Creek day after the game, which I do not recommend. No, nothing bad about Shingle Creek, but if you have a three-hour rain-delayed game, which we didn't plan on, <laughs> but if you don't get back to the to your place until <laughs> 3 o'clock in the morning, even an 11.30 tea time sounds very, very early. It wasn't even that. Dude, my, my body hurt so bad that next day my feet and my back and my shoulders i just wouldn't recommend a post game tea time we got whooped but you made some awesome shots you had that chip from i don't know what was it like 35 yards off the green maybe i i was gonna see maybe how more. much you were gonna say it was i was gonna go 30 it was yeah it wasn't like 50 30, 35 because i know i know what cl- i know what club i was hitting before that, and it wasn't like my 50, but yeah, it was around the 30. It was beautiful, man. Rolled right in, uh, you know, nice loft on it, and then trickled. You could tell the whole time. I'm like, this thing looks like it's going right in. It probably won't, <laughs> and then it just went. It just kept going, and then boom, dunk. And then you had like a 40-foot putt, too, that you drilled. Dude, if it wasn't for those shots, I think we would have lost 17 out of the 18 skins, I just realized. <laughs> Oh, that's pretty bad. Whatever. Yeah. It happens. Hey, on to the next one. Good times. Also, uh, weird thing, getting back from the game, I ordered DoorDash, and I didn't get any fries, and there were no ice in the drinks. And I complained to DoorDash, and they gave me a full refund. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I didn't expect it to be that easy. But also, how are you going to expect me to pay 60 bucks for McDonald's for warm drinks and no fries? Like, we just got four burgers, and they we inhaled them. <laughs> So unbelievable. I know. Ridiculous. Also a quick shout out to DG, the brand. We went to see his pop-up shop there next to burger. U. also Rockham socks. Yeah. At a pop-up shop. So hopefully you guys were able to get there and get some cool merch. I know DG, the brand has some new stuff out. You got a really cool golf polo, some more like Hawaiian inspired kind of t-shirts and stuff. Was really impressed at how many people actually wore their DG a uh, basketball jersey to the game. I saw a ton of them out there. A lot, um, a lot. I, I had the polo on, which was sick. Uh, they're still for sale, dgthebrand.com. And also, uh, Rockham had that cool digital billboard going around, playing Zombie Nation and like a, the DG ad, which was really cool. It's just cool that they can do this stuff. Soon, we won't even, you know, not college players not being able to do endorsements will be like a joke. They'll be like, oh, that's so stupid. It was never allowed. But it's really cool to see it actually going down uh, now. Ooh. So, Leger Doosable just got uh, signed with ESPN. I think it was on NFL Network before. And 
He's going to call at least one UCF game, is what I saw. So as an oh, an, really? as an analyst, nice. yeah, pretty cool. Uh, built by UCF alum, had a bunch of seasons in the NFL. I think he was on the Jets and a few other teams. Third round pick by the Bills, I believe, or maybe right. second round. Yeah, I don't know. I second just, or third. All I remember was in like '07. He um, every time he made a tackle, everyone would go doomsable. It was like the precursor to the Bruce era. Uh, we don't have anyone on the team that's like that right now. Oh, we got to have someone. Hold on. Pull up the roster. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Someone's got a... What do you just need like a ooh noise in your name, right? I don't know. I was just kind of messing around like trying to think of nicknames for people. I got Ricky, a little off the top barber. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. Ricky, I was thinking Monster the Barber. Who... By the way, I ran into him randomly at both games. I think that guy is a good omen because uh, good stuff happened at both after me running in, into him at Boise and then right after I ran into him at FSU, Mackenzie Milton came in. So just saying. Bethune, Tatum Bethune. Bethune. No? Eh. There'll be somebody. All right. I'm tired. All right. Good show. Uh, go to Bethune Cookman. If you're in town, we will talk to you guys next week. We have a guest coming on. I think Squints. He's going to give us our opinion, his opinion on you know, offense and defense from a well-trained football eye, not just idiots like us that just watch the ball. Uh, He's going to tell us some stuff, and we're going to agree. Yeah, pretty much. But like, oh yeah, I knew that. It was that twenty-one personnel. Oh yeah, that's all that. <laughs> um, oh, one other thing too. Abarski four for four from extra points. Just saying, that's 100%. So our predictions are definitely coming to fruition. I don't think there's anyone else with a U. It's a guy named Joe. Long snapper. Just weird. I feel like we don't see Joes anymore. You're a Joe. (laughs) Oh, Why would you yell Joe at the game? No, oh that's un- 23 zip Ole Miss. That's unrelated to the U thing. I'm just looking through the roster. I'm like, wow, Joe. Like that, you don't see kids named Joe anymore. Yeah, dude. My prediction of Louisville minus two or minus two at Louisville. I don't know. Ole Miss making them look dumb right now. Yeah, I don't know. And they Although don't. Have- Ole Miss is like a dark horse SEC team this year. Louisville's been pretty bad the last couple years. This makes me feel great. Oh, by the way, we didn't even talk about Cincinnati. So, like, Cincinnati now, remember how they're, like, two big road games, you know, Indiana and Notre Dame. Okay, well, Notre Dame looks possibly defeatable, and Indiana looked absolutely garbage. So, I feel like they have a way easier in now of being undefeated when they get to us. And then if they beat us, they're probably just going to run the table. We can't let that happen. Dude, Paul Rubelt. That's it. Rubelt. <laughs> Sorry, I was listening. It just <laughs> that caught my Isn't eye. Is he like an offensive lineman? What's he going to do, a pancake? I don't know. That's the guy who's like seven feet tall. I mean, he could do – they could give him the ball to run run it. Rubelt. No, you're right. But I don't know if that's good because, like, that means their path is easier but also – those teams will be ranked not as good, possibly. Like, Indiana's probably going to fall out of the top 25, I'm assuming. But, yeah, no, you're right. Easier path, but they're not going to run the table because they have to play us. We're not losing that game. We're forcing 
I'm going to take the over on two and a half turnovers. We're going to get after him. What's that schmuck's name? Ritter. Ritter. Yo, I think we can get him on the podcast for NIL. Ritter, Ritter, and the shitter. Dude, we'll just pay him a couple hundred bucks and like talk crap to him. Why? I don't know. Stupid. It's not stupid. Maybe it's stupid. All right. You got anything else? Nope. We have two players with number zero. I didn't know that. Can learn a lot Congrats. from staring at a roster. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Thank you guys. Go Knights. Charge on. Nature. Nature.